And back once again, we are at uh, almost nine minutes after seven on your Monday evening, the Monday night edition, the Wednesday edition, and of course, the weekend shows and uh, employment hour and 30 on TV, Global News TV. If you haven't caught that Saturday mornings at 10, you can do so this coming weekend. It is a uh, very cool and condensed version of what we do here every week. This the uh, the Blue Monday version of the show, Lior. Blue Monday for, I guess, everybody but New Order. It kind of sucks. It's supposed to be the most down day of the year. And if you're facing something like unemployment or severance or just came down uh, this week or last week, some information you're going to want to glean from the show over the next hour because we will help you out indeed. Phone lines wide open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or one 225 talk that It's toll-free. Let's get it happening. Call us tonight. Get your answers and questions done. Lior's ready to uh, to rock you right between the eyes. How are you, pal? Hey, good, John. I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, Blue Monday, but I- I'm doing all right. And um, mm-hmm. I'm happy to to be back here to answer questions. Uh, today was already a busy day in my office. A lot of people contacted me over the weekend and today, and I, I got back to as many people as possible answering questions about their workplace rights. And, and we're going to continue doing that uh, for the employment hour here. So if you haven't heard us before, you don't know what this show is about, well, we answer your workplace questions and we solve your workplace problems. If your boss is mistreating you, if you have a question about some situation that happened in the work, maybe you lost your job or are worried about it. What does it mean? What are you owed? Can you lose your job? Give us a call with all these things. We'll help you. We'll, we'll help others by listening to your questions and, and the answers to those questions. So those are important things, and, and we're going to uh, touch on all those things today. And to get us started, John, as I always do, week that was, a few things that happened uh, and uh, came across my desk uh, over the past few days. First situation, John, involved a gentleman that when he started working for this company in the HR role about five years ago, he signed an employment agreement that says, you get a bonus uh, every year, but just so you know, employee, that bonus is discretionary, completely discretionary. But every every January for the past five years, he's received a bonus. And it's always been pretty similar, you know, probably around $15,000, nice, good-sized bonus. Uh, and except come now, this January, his employer has announced, well, because of some uh, increased costs, perhaps he was talking to changes to minimum wage, etc., mm-hmm. didn't say it. But because of increased costs, we're not going to be paying bonuses this year. So we're wanting to give you the heads-up employee that you're not going to get a bonus. And because the bonus is discretionary, because that's what your employment agreement says, well, then everything is fine. And he called me, and he wanted to know, can they do that? Can they decide not to pay me the bonus that I usually get? And is it really discretionary? Well, John, the answer is the employer can absolutely not do that. Now, it's possible that once you started working, the bonus was initially discretionary. But once you get it for a while, you can kind of set your watch to it. You can get it. You, you expect it at a certain period of time, and you know pretty much what it's going to be. It becomes a term of employment. It becomes a part of your compensation, which means the employer can't then say, well, now we're not going to give you the bonus. That becomes a constructive dismissal, especially when we're talking about a good-sized bonus amount. So I told this person, no, they can't do that, and you have the option now to treat your employment as being constructively dismissed. Now, he's thinking whether that's what he wants to do, but I want our listeners to understand that changes to compensation almost always result in a constructive dismissal. And it doesn't have to be just changes to salary. It can be, uh, like for this gentleman, bonuses or car allowances uh, taken away, pensions reduced, benefits eliminated. All those are things that the employer generally does not have a right to do. So... 
even if you you're signing an agreement that a bonus is discretionary, it doesn't mean that it is actually discretionary, John. And your employer may have to pay it. Uh, and 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 if not, there are legal consequences. Great example of uh, you know art imitating life there, or life imitating art. He was like Clark Griswold, wanted to put in a pool, didn't get the bonus, right? <laughs> didn't get the bonus, except <laughs> ex- right. except Clark ultimately got the bonus, <laughs> That's right. uh, and I'm pretty sure put in the pool. And, and this gentleman, unfortunately, is not going to uh, get his bonus, but he will have the opportunity to leave with severance, which for him would be more than six months' pay. Uh, so, so that's something that he's going to consider, John. What else you got going on? Well, John, I want to talk about something that was uh, in the news, and I actually did a couple of interviews about this today, including uh, this morning uh, uh, on AM640. Right. And that is a story about Rogers um, and their call center. And specifically, the story was that uh, some employees have complained that the employer, that Rogers and the call center was putting unreasonable pressures on them to meet milestones and, and, and targets, even if it meant selling things that individuals don't need to sell, don't need, and selling internet to people that don't have computers, and essentially preying on older individuals. So these individuals complained. They felt uncomfortable with this pressure. So I did an interview about that, and I wanted to just summarize it here, and that is an employer can't ask you and require you to do things that in objectively viewed are unethical and improper. If they do that, that could be something you can say no to and potentially can be a constructive dismissal. It creates a poison work environment, and no one has to work in a poison work environment. So in this situation, I hope that the, the public shaming, if you will, that the attention is brought to Rogers is going to make them change their practices, and they can back off the employees and support them instead of putting unreasonable pressure on them. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or one 225 talk That number is toll-free. We'll get our uh, opening call here tonight. Jeff, how are you? Good evening. Hey, good, good guys. How are you? Good, pal. What's uh, what's happening with you tonight? Uh, I actually just had uh, my yearly discussion with my boss about my role and everything checked out. I'm good. Get bonus, whatever, whatever. Um, I'm in a consultant role, just to let you guys know. Um, and uh, he wants me to go out and facilitate... Uh, our product to uh, agencies that uh, we deal with. Uh, so I have to be on the road more often, whereas right now I'm just in the office like 90% of the time other than going to corporate functions. Um, so seeing as that my role is going to change, am I in the right uh, to position if he, does, like he basically said, this is an option for me to do this? Can I ask him for uh, an increase in uh, or basically a raise in uh, taking over this role? Well, you know, you, you, what you're asking is not necessarily a legal question. What I mean by that is, can you ask for a raise? Well, sure. I mean, can he say no? Sure. The question is, what is the company allowed to do? Now, you said, Jeff, that, that they're considering you as a consultant, so they're not considering you as an employee? Um, my role, I am an employee. But you are an employee. Okay, I, got it. My role is just a consultant because of the position I'm in. I'm the nucleus of uh, all the departments, so I'm there to give advice on how the companies run, basically. Understood. So what I can tell you then is your employer doesn't actually have the right to change your job to the extent that you used to be essentially mostly in the office and now you're going to be mostly on the road. They don't have a right to do that, which means you have a right to say no if that's what you what you want. And if they insist, that could be a constructive dismissal. So with that in mind, yeah, I think it's a very good idea to say to the employer, hey, I'm concerned about this. Uh, I don't think that's an ideal role for me. But tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll agree to it as long as uh, there's a, a pay raise in it for me. The, the problem you're having, of course, is if you ultimately agree to it, you're potentially opening the door for future changes here. So you want to make it clear to your employer if you end up agreeing, 
that by agreeing to this, you're not agreeing to future changes. This is kind of a one-time thing. I'm not giving you, employer, the right to just decide to change my job anytime you want. So be careful with that. But yeah, it is a good idea to ask for a pay raise, uh, remembering that they can't force you to do this. Can I see another question? Sure. Yep. What risk am I putting myself at uh, as far as uh, if I do do this and uh, not and okay in this shop change, as you just said? Sorry, I didn't understand the question. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to multitask and drive in this horrible weather and talk to you at the same time. Um, you said that I may be putting myself at risk about, uh, for job changes in the future. Right. What type of risk is that I'm putting myself at? Well, I mean, right now they decided to change your job in a certain way, and, and if you create this precedent, they can say, well, now we want you to do this other job that requires you to travel overseas or to do this other job that requires you to work from our office in Alberta. So th there's potential, a lot of changes that they could do, and, and that's the concern whenever you open that door. But again, make it clear if you agree that this is a one-time thing and you're only agreeing to this particular and specific change. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, moving forward, if you need it, uh, the number to get a hold of Lior and the firm, 1-855-821-5900. For you tonight, get your questions answered. Learn from them, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, or one 225 talk That number is uh, toll-free. Get to uh, Gareth here, I think. Hey, hey, Gareth, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, what's going on? I worked for, uh, or, sorry, worked for a large HVAC company. Non-union company, and I wasn't under any contract with them. Uh, I finished my I finished my third uh, term apprentice and moved into my fourth, and I never got a raise, even though in the employee manual it outlines you know each term uh, what your hourly rate is, gives you a range. Um, well, I recently just finished my fourth, or sorry, my fifth term, and have completed my apprenticeship, and I've been trying to sit down with my boss uh, and discuss uh, this raise. That's even outlined in our employee handbook. And whenever I questioned him about it, um, he says, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow. So whenever the next day came around and I went to have this meeting, uh, I was let go. Uh, you know, with the story of while we're downsizing, I don't have any work, um, even though we're booked three weeks out with calls. Um, and then immediately uh, after, you know, later that day, I saw my job posted online on Indeed uh, for much less than what I was making. So I think I was let go um, just because he didn't want to pay me uh, what I was owed. I I'm sure that's why, why you were let go, Gareth. No, not even a question. Now, how long did you work there for? Uh, three years. Three years and uh, HVAC apprentice. And, and how old are you, Gareth? Uh, 27. Now, did he pay you any severance? Zero. Well, someone in your situation would be owed right around four months' pay. Okay? Yeah. So. Legally, he's allowed to let you go, even though it's kind of a crappy reason to let someone go uh, just to save a few bucks that way. But legally, he can do that. That's not illegal. What's illegal here is that he's, he's got to pay you severance. You, you don't you don't avoid that. You said you weren't part of a union, so you have to get severance. Now, how long ago was this? Uh, about a week ago. Okay. So, so yeah, you're, you're uh, smack dab within the time period to deal with this. So why don't you give me a call off air? You wrote probably as much as four months pay here. Uh, you've been wrongfully dismissed, not necessarily because of the reason, but because of the fact that he didn't give you the severance that you wrote. The good news is this can be resolved and, and, and will be resolved quickly. So let's connect off air, Gareth, and, and let me help you get the, the money that you wrote. Okay. Sound good, Gareth? Here's that number, 1-855-821-5900. It is help at employmenthour.com. Let me squeeze Ann in here before we uh, before we break. Hey, Ann, good evening. Hi there. How are you tonight? 
Good. What is, uh, what's your concern? Just a quick question. So a part-time job for Christmas time doing delivery, um, how much notice has to be given to the person that's working for you? Like, just say, we don't have any work anymore because mm-hmm. we knew it was going to slow down. They knew it was going to slow down. So do they have to give them a week's notice, two weeks' notice? How, much, how does that work? So they work for you for a couple months, I guess? Uh, yeah, since November. And and how old is, would be the, the person be? Uh, ages varying from, oh, I don't know, 23 to 60. So age is an important factor. The older the person is, the more notice the law says they should be getting. So, uh, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'll, uh, I'll give you the link to the severance calculator. The name severance calculator also though applies to notice. So when you input the information for this particular person on the severance calculator, the number that it gives you translates to notice. It's going to say two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. Check that out, and because of that, hey, no problem. We can uh, we can help you if you have any questions with that. But that's how much notice you have to give. It's probably not a huge exposure here because these people are haven't worked for very long. But severancepaycalculator.com. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ann. Appreciate that. We'll take our uh, first short break here. Phil, I see you. Hang on the line. We'll get to you and you as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up, the Monday Night Edition, right here on Global News Radio. Phil, good evening. Thanks for hanging in. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Um, I work for a fairly large organization. I'm a senior management there. I've been there 23 years, basically. And um, I know there's a lot of hours that I put in um, because of my role. But recently, I had one of my key reports um, resign over the last three months. So I'm pulling in anywhere from uh, 70 to 76 hours per week. And um, I've been uh, asking for a compensation, and I'm not getting any response or anything like that at all. And I'm wondering where I stand, if anything, on that. Great question, Phil. And here's the, the problem you're having. Uh, that from a legal standpoint, uh, a manager is exempt from the overtime obligations that otherwise an employer would have to provide. So if you are not a manager, your employer would have to pay you overtime, and if they didn't, you can enforce it. Uh, in your situation, because they're not obligated to pay you uh, overtime, it's you know you and them coming to an agreement and and discussing and, and hopefully figuring something out. That said, that said, here's the interesting part. What's what's wrong about your scenario from a legal standpoint is that you obviously didn't used to work these hours. Now you're working these hours and your employer is not doing anything to help you. They haven't uh, alleviated the workload. They haven't hired someone to to take off some of the workload. So your employer has essentially created uh, an environment where the terms of your employment have changed. Let's say you used to work 40 hours a week. Now you're working 70 hours a week. So you potentially could have the right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. Because now you're not working the same job that you had before. Uh, now, you've been there how long? 23 years, I think you said? Yes. So in a senior position, you, you could easily be owed 20 to 24 months pay. So that's something to consider if you decide that, that you've had enough and, and, and they're not going to do anything about it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one caveat on that is the, the longer you continue working in this position, the less you're going to be able to say constructive dismissal. Because at some point, you're going to be considered to have accepted the terms, the new terms of employment. So I would talk to them about this again. You know, try to put your foot down. 
And ultimately, if they won't help you, if they won't cooperate, you have to make a decision. Do you continue working and, and, and stay there and, you know, it is what it is? Or do you say, I've had enough, I'm going to leave here and get my 20 or 22 or 24 months pay and, and move to a different job? So that's something you have to consider, but I wouldn't wait on this. I would give yourself a week, uh, maybe two more at the max, and after that you have to make that decision. Okay, that's fair. Because some of the things I'm concerned about is that some of my regular duties are falling off because I don't have time for it. So sure. I'm worried about them coming to me in three to four weeks to say, hey, what's going on? You're not doing this or not doing that. And they probably will, and then yeah. and then they'll start writing you up and then giving you performance right. reviews, etc. So I agree with you. So something has to happen here, and ultimately, if a, a guy is lost, someone left the job there, it's their obligation to replace him, and if they don't, and because of that, now you have to do two jobs, well, that's on them, and you may be able to leave there with your severance. Uh, now, don't leave. Don't quit. Please don't without talking to me. But in the meantime, try to resolve it with them. Give yourself a couple of weeks tops. And if that doesn't work, give me a call. I will do that. Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you, you Phil. Phil. Appreciate that. That number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Phil, again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. And we'll get to, uh, to Al here. Hey, Al, good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? Good, brother. What's going on? Well, basically what it is is I've been off uh, due to an uh, accident at work contracting hepatitis C. So I've been off on disability for a long period of time. Now, a uh, long-term disability, and um, I'm 62, going on 63. So uh, pretty soon, the long-term disability is going to say goodbye, and I'm screwed, right? So uh, has long-term disability said that they're cutting you off, or are you just expecting no, when you no, turn 65? No, they're not going to cut me off. They, they do it to, like legally at 65. At 65, really? yeah. Now, uh, how long have you been off work? Oh, man, 20 years. Wow. wow. I quit drinking. I quit everything. I stayed as straight as I could, took care of my health just so that I could stay alive kind of thing, you know? So, so, so you, you actually formally quit the job? No, I didn't quit. I'm on a long-term disability. No, I understand, but but from your employer standpoint, are you technically still employed there? Have they ever formally uh, ended yeah. the relationship with you? Yeah, no, no, I'm still employed there. I'm still employed there. I don't want to mention the employer. No, but, I understand. I understand. Now, just yeah. tell me, big company or small company? Pardon me? Just tell me if it's a big company or a small company. It's pretty big. Okay, so here's here's how this works. If and when you get cut off, presumably when you turn 65 by the long-term disability, yeah. you can you can treat your uh, you you can tell your employer, hey, this is it. I'm not gonna come back. I'm not getting better. So now we can treat my employment as being frustrated. We call this frustration or contract. And that may mean you're owed some compensation. In your case, it could be as much as 34 weeks' pay that they would owe you. So you can formally. I wouldn't do this now, but I would do this once the LTD gets cut off and formally end the relationship on that basis, and they'd owe you eight months' pay. So it's actually complicated to calculate that because you haven't worked for so long, but yeah, that but said, they would they yeah, would still owe you that amount of money. There's one other factor there, sir, because once I, I hit 65, I'll still be getting a pension from them, and right. I don't really want to screw them over, you know what I'm saying? They're taking care of me all this time, right? 
Well, here's the thing. The pension won't be affected by that. It's up to you whether you want to pursue those 34 weeks pay. You don't have to. Absolutely not. You can maintain status quo. But that's the only thing that you could do at that point. The only compensation from your employer would be that. And it won't impact the pension. The pension is vested. It's yours. Irrespective of anything, you still get it. Uh, if and when the time comes and you want to pursue that, give me a call. We could talk more about that. But yes, given the fact that you're not going to be getting back to work, you're not going to be well enough to go back, you could be getting that 34 weeks pay. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Al. Appreciate that, Al. That, yeah, that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 You mentioned the first segment. Let's expand on it, uh, brother, and that would be the severance pay calculator. Yeah, John, and I, I directed one of our callers to it, mm-hmm. and, and you know, for our, our uh, listeners right now, an extremely important tool, John, a tool that I created uh, four and a half or so years ago now uh, that allows anyone to find out immediately, immediately how much severance they're owed, whether they just lost their job or are worried about it or are just curious to see, hey, what would happen? Would I actually get enough money to support myself if I lost my job? Uh, what does my employer have to do? Well, how do you find out? You go to severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And you answer three questions. Your age, your position, and the length of your employment. You just pick it from a drop-down menu. And then you're done. You don't have to put in your name, your company's name, your phone number, none of that. And it tells you right there how much your severance you are owed, whether it's two months pay, 24 months pay, or anything and everything in between that. It's such an important tool. If you use it, you're not going to be taken for a ride. You're not going to accept inadequate severance like so many people do every single day, John. Hundreds of people in this beautiful province of ours accept inadequate severance because they don't know any better. So now that you know about the severance calculator, when you lost your job, you will know better. You will know exactly how much you have to get, severancepaycalculator.com. And, of course, be a good friend or be a good son or daughter. If you know someone that lost their job or are worried about it, tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. You got about till uh, 10 to 8 to get your phone calls in. We have open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on and one talk is the number. I mentioned off the top when we got into the show, understanding the duty to accommodate. So let's uh, get back to that while we uh, get some more calls happening. What is the duty to accommodate? Well, the duty to accommodate uh, flows from our human rights laws. Uh, and it's the same uh, in every province and every jurisdiction in Canada. And the duty to accommodate specifically says, as, as relates to employment, uh, employment and employers and employees, is that an employer has to provide help and support to an employee uh, to make sure that they're not discriminated against. So we often look at the duty to accommodate in situations involving medical conditions. So an employee may have a medical condition, and because of that, they can't do their job the way they used to. Maybe they need different hours, or maybe they need some uh, uh, support and help. Well, the employer has a duty to accommodate. They have to provide that help. And, and that is one of the most basic rules, the basic clause that we have when it comes to human rights, is that an employer can't say, well, that is your problem. Uh, you have to deal with that employee. No. The law makes it the employer's problem. If you have a medical condition or any other situation that uh, applies to human rights, you know, it could be religious reasons. So, for example, John, uh, an, an employee may need to be accommodated because of their religious beliefs. They may be, uh, you know, they need to leave early, let's say, on the Friday to go to synagogue or go to mosque. Well, the employer has to provide that accommodation. So the duty to accommodate is very broad. And when an employer doesn't meet it or says this is too much, this is too hard, 
well, then that becomes a human rights violation that's illegal, and the employee has all sorts of remedies in that point. 416-870-6400-STAR-640-ON-CELL and 1-888-225-TALK. We'll bounce over and uh, talk to Helen. Hey, Helen, good evening. Hi, how are you? Good. What's, uh, what's going on with you? Um, I have a question. Back in September, my employer um, sent an email out to everybody advising that they had to deduct money from us, meaning when we first started our tenure with this company, they didn't deduct enough pay from us. Um, that being for me two weeks. They didn't take two weeks. Mind you, they said we'll get the money back when we leave the company. So they have to now withheld, withhold two weeks of pay from us. Were they allowed to do that after all these years of working there? Absolutely not. No, they're, they're not allowed to do that. No, they're not allowed to do that at all. Uh, and, and whether they, they could have or should have back when you started, it's actually irrelevant. Uh, even if they, you know, so to speak, drop the ball, they can't just now decide to, uh, to, to deduct from you. So because of that, uh, that may give you some, some recourse here. The, the unfortunate thing is that the recourse is potentially uh, by way of, of a constructive dismissal. You may be able to go to the Ministry of Labor only with respect to the improper withholding. That could be a breach of the Employment Standards Act. So for this is something you could involve the Ministry of Labor in if you want, and, and they may order the employer to pay it back to you. But no, they did not have a right to, to withhold that pay for you, you know, from you once you've already started working there. Unbelievable. You're giving me goosebumps because my husband told me I should have called a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I said, well, it, it, it kind of makes sense. But nobody questioned it, and we're a large organization, and as a company, we're not doing very well. We just recently started thinking, I wonder why they took all that money from us. So right. we have the option of doing it in installments because, you know, let's say if you're making over 50000 a year to take your two weeks pay, that's a, it's a big chunk financially. Of course. Yeah, it's huge. So they did it amongst, I think it was um, six different paychecks. They were taking, let's say, two, $300, and... That's a lot for some people who have mm-hmm. mortgages and bills and daycare and, and all those costs. So what should I do? So uh, the, the best option, because it's in September, it's too late to deal with this as a constructive dismissal probably. I would go to the Ministry of Labor and you can even potentially do that anonymously and contact them and say, here's what my employer is doing. And have the Ministry of Labor, or the, probably the best thing is to actually file a complaint with the Ministry of Labor on this topic. And the Ministry of Labor is going to come in there. That's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. They can't do that. Uh, and the Ministry of Labor is either going to order them to stop or, or more likely to refund the money. Now, how this impacts the relationship between you and your employer, that's not for me to say. You have to figure that out. But right. they, can they do that? No. And do you have recourse? Absolutely, you do. Ministry of Labor for this. Should I share amongst my, my team members to let them know that they should do that as well or no? Well, absolutely. And, and the, the good thing is it only takes one of you guys to, to file a complaint because once one, one person is ordered to do it, then everything else is going to you know, get in place as well. You don't need 15 complaints. But, yeah, I mean, there's strength in numbers. And, and if your employer knows uh, – but you know what you could do potentially? There's maybe an, an easier way, and I, I just thought of that right now. Uh, if you contact me off air, I can send you uh, a, a note that outlines exactly where it says that they're not allowed to do that. Maybe if you show that to your employer and they say they realize, oh, we we assume you just made a mistake. Here's where it says you're not allowed to do that. Maybe, maybe at that point they'll realize they made a mistake and they'll back off. Uh, and if that doesn't work, then you can still go to the Ministry of Labor. They did it to every single employee that works for the organization, which is crazy because no, I don't think anybody questioned it. 
I, I, I don't doubt it for a second. So if you reach out to me after the show or, or during the week at some point, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the provision of the Employment Standards Act where it says they're not allowed to do that. You can show it to them, see if that does anything, and if it doesn't, you go to the Ministry of Labor. Helen, here you go, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred or help at employmenthour.com. Appreciate your call this evening. And Morella, good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. What's uh, what's your concern? My concern is with the change in um, minimum wage that happened in January 2018. If I was making $14 an hour, this is in a restaurant, um, in, at the time before the change happened, am I entitled to receive an incremental increase over 14 as of January? Good question, and I've actually been getting a lot of exactly this question since the changes happened. And, and the answer, uh, Morella, is no. Uh, your employer's only obligation is to make sure that you and, and all the other employees make at least, at this point, $14 an hour, that you make at least minimum wage. If you were already making that, you don't get increased beyond that, or certainly there's no legal obligation to do that. If the employer chooses to do so, absolutely. But the law does not require them to say, well, now you have to bump the 14 people to 16 and the 16 people to 18. No. It's just the, uh, the, the people that were making less than 14 have to be brought up to 14 now. Okay. So this is not considered uh, a demotion or any kind of constructive no. discussion? No. No, it's not. Uh, in this situation, it's not. Uh, as long as you make at least minimum wage and your employer didn't reduce your pay, then they haven't done anything illegal. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next, Marla, appreciate. Now she'll have to get bumped up in a year when it becomes fifteen, right? If she's still well, yes, 14. her and exactly. In January, uh, assuming nothing changes with uh, with with the, with the government that's in in power at the end of the day, uh, it's going to get bumped up to to fifteen dollars, and everyone that's making less than that's going to get bumped to fifteen. But people that were already making fifteen do not have to get bumped to let's say right. to sixteen. Uh, as long as you're making at least minimum wage, your employer has complied with its legal obligations. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk the toll-free number. We go till about uh, 749, 750 uh, to get your calls in. You want to do it, you want to do it right now. It's talking about uh, duty to accommodate. You described what it was. Now, what is or who has the right to be accommodated? Well, the, the Human Rights Code, which is the statute that applies here in Ontario, applies to pretty much everyone, okay? So if you're listening to us right now, well, the Human Rights Code applies to you. So... You have a right to be accommodated. Now, to be accommodated, the the thing that you need accommodation for has to be related to a, a right that you have under the Human Rights Code. So, for example, it has to be based on your uh, age or race or ethnicity or, or, or disability. You can't be accommodated because you drive a bad car and that car means you can't get to work on time. So, you know what I mean? Stuff like that is not a human rights issue. The Human Rights Code doesn't protect employees based on the choice of the car that they're driving. So, uh, but if you're, uh, you have a medical condition, absolutely. If there is uh, a religious component or an age component, then you need some accommodation because of that. If it's related to that, then your employer has to provide that accommodation. And what's important to understand when it comes to the duty to accommodate is that the employer has to accommodate, accommodate even if it's hard. The employer can't say, well, wait a second, this is hard. Now, there is, of course, a point beyond which it becomes too hard. So the employer doesn't have to accommodate. But that is a very high standard. We call that the point of undue hardship. Yep. So if the employer uh, has to incur some costs, well, they have to incur some costs. At some point, it becomes too much. But it's not enough for the employer to say, oh, no, no, this is a bit complicated, so we're not going to do that. That's a human rights violation, John. 
416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell is the number to call. one 225 talk Works toll-free as well. Uh, Mike, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, man. What's, uh, what's your concern tonight? Leor is there. Yeah, I have a uh, question uh, with regards to salary. So if you have a salaried position uh, and once you do the math and it works out to be less than 14 an hour, does that mean that you should be entitled to a raise or because you signed a, a deal that you're uh, kind of stuck where you are? No, absolutely. You, you you definitely are entitled to a raise. If you if you, you can, unless you're in an exempt position from uh, uh, for minimum wage, or some some rare positions that are exempt. But if you're not, then yeah, absolutely. You you have to still get a bump, even if you're on a salary. If you work forty hours uh, a week and your salary comes down to less than fourteen dollars an hour, even if it's a fixed salary, you have to get bumped up. Uh, and your employer can't avoid that by saying, "Well, you're on salary." Because otherwise they'll just put everyone on salary and no one would have to comply with minimum wage. So is that your situation, Mike? Are you making less than minimum wage? Uh, well, it was at a, a previous position, and I know that uh, a family member of mine is going to be probably walking into something similar coming straight out of school. So I just kind of wanted to get a background situation on that just to kind of figure it out in that sense. Yeah, the changes to minimum wage would still apply to salaried employees, absolutely. And even if you're on a salary, you have to make at least the $14 an hour. In January of next year, it's going to be 15 All right, great. I appreciate that, Lear. I hope you have a great night. You too, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, important safety tippy there, Egon. Like most people who would, wouldn't even think of checking if they're on salary because, oh, that's part-time employees. That's people who work at you know Best Buy and McDonald's. No, no, that's smart. If you're on salary right now, you should do the quick math, right? A hundred percent. You should absolutely wow. do the math. And, and if there's – even in a, in a given week, if you're making less than minimum wage, well, for that week, you should be getting paid more. Your employer should always make sure that if, even if you're on a salary, you make more or – at least as much as minimum right. wage. Absolutely. Salary applies just the same. Hey, Anna. Good, uh, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's your concern? Um, so uh, my employer um, paid twice last week. There was two deposits. They actually um, missed one, one day. So we usually get paid on Thursday, but they paid us on Friday. Um, okay. And then there was two different deposits, similar amount, but they're not identical. And they took one um, paycheck or pay deposit back. Is that like they just reversed it? Is that possible? Like, can they just kind of put money and take money out when they please? So, so they overpaid by accident. They realized what they did, and they took back the overpayment. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, they could do that. They could do now. How that happens from a banking standpoint. I don't know. Obviously, it can be done. But from a legal standpoint, yes, they could do that. Now, if uh, if they had waited too long to, to do it and you didn't realize that they overpaid and you spent the money, then at that point, they, they wouldn't necessarily be able to, to uh, take the money. But if it happened pretty much right away before you actually spent that extra money, then yes, they're allowed to, from a, a legal standpoint, to take that money because it was, it was an error. It was a mistake. It wasn't something that you were owed. Uh, they yeah. could do that. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna. Appreciate that. So we'll get to one final point here on accommodation because I know you get uh, emails and questions all the time. Um, how far does an employee have to go when it comes to accommodation? Well, John, this is always the key. Whenever there's disputes over accommodation, it's a question of, well, should the employer have gone to that point? Like I said, undue hardship is is the, the the key word here and you know it's it's an art rather than a science you know for i may say undue hardship is this much and you may say undue hardship is that much generally speaking 
the bigger the company is, the more resources it has, the more employees it has, the more is expected of it, the more it should be able to do by way of accommodating the employee. You know, a small mom and pop shop with one or two employees may not be able to be very flexible because there's not a, a lot of uh, resources. There's not a lot of people that can help. Yeah. So the, their duty to accommodate may not be as, as significant as if you work for a major bank. So the bigger the company, the more the obligation applies. But for all employers, big, small, medium, etc., they have that duty to accommodate. 90% of the time, it, it's related to medical conditions. And I may mean uh, modified duties, modified hours, yeah. the ability to work from home, perhaps, John, uh, to, to provide some, some help, uh, even to give flexibility to employees to go to the doctor when they're getting treatment for their medical condition. So there's a significant duty, and the bigger the company, the more it's expected of the company to do by way of accommodation. Always a fantastic job, my friend. We will reconvene Wednesday night at 7 o'clock here. And then, of course, the weekend shows. And if you haven't caught it yet, Employment Hour at 30 on uh, Global TV. That is Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock. You'll get your fill on the uh, television set as well. Till uh, till next time, severancepaycalculator.com. You want to find out what you're entitled should be, the real number. That and, of course, helpandemploymenthour.com and the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. We'll take it from here back on Wednesday on Global News Radio.